Blog Talk Radio. Reminding everybody who the original 
man is on this planet. Might be somebody else, someplace else, but on this planet, yep, that would be us. Well, welcome to Our Own Voices Live. My name is Rodney Smith, and I'm sitting in the air chair today, coming on a little late. Oh, my goodness, there's a lot of things that have happened this week and still happening. And as I talk about the things that still happen tonight, tonight going to be a big party, y'all. Well, also something that more professional is we have early voting starting in Nevada and specifically where I am in Las Vegas, Nevada today. And it is at the Doc William U. Pearson Community Center located at 1625. Cary Avenue at 1625 Cary Avenue and it's at the crossroads of Cary and Martin Luther King Boulevard North Las Vegas hopefully you all can make it out and if you have any questions about early voting you could dial 702-455-1220 702-455-1220 and some folks can help you with whatever you need hopefully you all register to vote because officially here in Nevada and also in other places, early voting has commenced, and early voting here in Nevada will go on until November 4th, and then Election Day, yes, the actual Election Day, November 8th. I hope that you all have your booklets, you've marked your candidates, you've done your research, you've talked to family, friends, spouses, and you know who you're going to vote for. But if you do not, if you do not, then I would strongly urge you to continue your research because this is important. Our, really the next generation and maybe beyond will be determined by this race if for no other reason than the president's choices for the Supreme Court. So whichever side of the aisle you may be on or whatever and however you view your issues, this election here, will determine it quite possibly for the rest of my life. And depending on your age, maybe the rest of yours too. This is an important election. And for those who are ready to vote, today is your chance to go out and exercise that right to vote and to have input and for you to have a voice. Now, after saying all of that, I've been in many Facebook conversations and even other conversations where certain people are saying that their vote for the presidency does not count and that the only vote that does count is a vote for Congress. And most, many say, hey, really it comes down to the things that affect me the most, which is legislatures, state houses, city councils, school boards, and though I don't agree that those do have an impact, do not think that voting for the president does not have an impact, because it does. Well, there's your intro to our show today, Our Own Voices Live, early voting, started today. If you'd like to join into the conversation, you give us a call at 347 826 
347-826-9600, because I am interested in what you have to say. Uh, not only are you early voting, but are you voting? And are you voting the entire ticket? Are you just voting portions of the ticket? I don't necessarily want to know who you're voting for. Of course, if you'd like to share that and why, that's fine. But really, early voting has started. Are you voting and how are you voting? How do you usually vote? And has this election changed any of that? Now, I'm going to share with you that I'm not that excited about, nor am I that excited about voting. I am going to vote. I am going to vote. Just not excited about it. And I am going to vote the entire ticket from top to bottom, including the questions. And here in Nevada, we do have some pretty significant questions, whether it's uh, background checks for guns, which I believe is question one, whether it's uh, taking marijuana from illegal to legal status. In other words, decriminalizing marijuana use here in Nevada. These are things that's all up. So when people say that vote doesn't count, that's a general statement, and I think that's incorrect. But when they say that their vote doesn't count for president, they say it's, some people have even said that it's just an illusion and that it doesn't matter because the Electoral College is actually going to vote for the president. And, and, and it is true that ultimately it will be the Electoral College that determines who our next president is. And whoever that person is to get 270 electoral votes is the person that will be our next president. If no one was to get it, then there are some other mechanisms. In a conversation that I had yesterday, actually, at the gathering, when I was talking to some pretty learned people who actually don't know how our government works and is structured. I mean, it's not that they don't know anything. It's just that there's some things that they didn't know, which you think would be somewhat common knowledge. And it told me, it showed me what a terrible job we do in our education system on teaching people to use the American political system. And when I hear people say that their vote doesn't count, it also tells me that, A, either we've done a terrible job in educating our people or a great job has been done in miseducating our people. And I lean towards a great job has been done in miseducating our people. But it's the people that can change it. And if the people don't change it, then we get what we apparently want and possibly even deserve. What do I mean by that? Well, if there is a thing that we need that we do not ensure that we get, then do we want it bad enough? don't know too many people who want something 
and has the means to get it that don't get it, whether it's a drink, food, a mate, a job, place to stay, transportation, clothes to wear, whatever it is. I just don't know too many people who want a thing and don't go out and get the thing when it's gettable. And, you know, voting is free. So here's an example. People say voting for the president doesn't matter because the president, the electoral college is voting. Well, how does the electoral college know what they should take into consideration when casting their vote if the people do not go out and vote? As an example, continuing that example, let's say it's the state of Nevada. And the state of Nevada, the citizens voted openly wellly for candidate A. So when those electors from the state of Nevada are taking into consideration how they should vote, they're looking and saying that the majority of Nevadans have voted for candidate A. Now, it is true that they are not bound by what the popular vote says. But here is where I believe the differences tend not to consider, that we should consider. If most of those electors for the electoral college are elected officials or people in party positions who are typically elected into those positions, whether it be by the people or by members of the party who still are body made up of the people. So by not voting for those who don't vote, you are not telling those electors how to vote. You're not giving them any idea of what it is that you want. And that means that let's say there were zero votes in Nevada when those electors go to vote, okay, so nobody really cared who becomes president. I don't have to consider anything that, obviously I don't have to consider what they want because they didn't say what they wanted, so I'm just going to go with how I want. Now, some people say, well, they're going to go by how they want anyway. To a certain extent, that's true, but it's with the advice of you. Now you have not given them any advice, and they will vote how they like. Not only will they vote how they like, but let's just say they voted differently than how you would have voted. Well, in enough, let me phrase it another way. Let's say that you did tell them how to vote by going out and vote. And they did not listen to what you said. In other words, you voted for candidate A. And they voted for candidate B. Well, guess what? Now, when you go to the polls again, those people who didn't listen to you, you can challenge them yourself or vote for someone who will challenge them to show your disapproval. So though it may not be immediate, and this is a microwave world, you still get some say, and those electors know this. 
And if it is true that power doesn't see easily, they want to maintain that power. Therefore, they're looking for you to tell them can know how to vote. And this is your opportunity for leverage because, after all, isn't that a lot of what voting is? It's not only sharing your opinion, but it's also your leverage. So that's why when people say your vote for the president does not count, I think they're a little short-sighted. And for those who are short-sighted, there are some other people who are going out there to vote. So whether you vote or not, they're going out there to vote. And a decision will be made. And usually it's the people who are staunch supporters of one party or the other, one candidate or the other. And they will go and vote. And they will make they will make a decision on your behalf, whether you like it or not. A decision will be made. Okay. So once again, this is Rodney Smith. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. Normally we come on at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those of you back east. We're a little late today. Uh, but I did want to talk about early voting because early voting has commenced in Las Vegas, Nevada, and the entire state of Nevada, places in this country. This is your opportunity for those of you who know who you're going to vote for to go out and cast your vote now to cast it early. Some people say, well, what's some of the benefits? Why should I go and cast my vote? Well, one of the benefits of going to cast your vote early is election day is just one day. And if you do not cast your vote on election day because your car broke down, you went out and partied the night before, you slept in, you couldn't get off from work, something you were sick, somebody else was sick, a bunch of things can happen on that one day that might prevent you from voting. But if you go out and vote early, you have ensured that your vote's going to be counted. Okay. Now, that's one of the reasons to early vote. Now, I'm not saying vote early or not. I tend to vote on election day. I've almost missed it a couple times, but I've made it every time, and I vote on election day. On elections that I'm undecided or I'm not sure, I'm still struggling, and I'll admit this is that election then I tend to not go out the first day. I know some people are say, Rodney, you're telling people not to go out and vote. No, I'm not saying don't go out and vote. What I'm saying is for me that when I'm not sure, I might need a little more time because what may happen between now and November 4th, which is the end of early voting, and then November 8th, actual voting day. Well, if let's say, as the young people might suggest, they flip the script on us, and the person that we thought we were going to vote for, we found out is a turtle, total dirtbag. Or we just find out things that would have made us not vote for that person. Well, once your vote is cast, it's like toothpaste squeezed out of the bed, just left the chamber. It's not coming back. You don't get a redo. The vote is cast. It's like it's now firmly seated in cement. This election, for me, I'm struggling.
doctors of you out there are struggling. So as much as I would like to go to the Dr. William U. Pearson Community Center to participate in the early voting process, because my mind is not firmly made up, I am not voting today. Now, I may vote tomorrow, and I may vote Monday, but I'm not voting today. Now, I'm fairly sure of who I'm voting for in most of the offices, but actually, I am not sure of who I'm voting for for president. Then again, there's going to be people who say, well, your vote for president does not count. Well, let me show you how the vote for president does count. First of all, you tell the electors who you want to be in office. And because those electors are usually elected officials that you voted for, they want you to vote for them again. So more than likely, they're going to do what you have suggested through your vote. So that's what you're doing. You are telling the electors how you feel about the candidate and what you want them to do. So when you do not vote for president, you are not telling those electors who you want them to vote for. Okay? That's the first thing on how this is important. Also, how many of you know that the president does not make laws, Congress does, but the president does sign it into law. In other words, Congress have a bunch of discussions, they vote, then once the vote has been tallied, it's sent to the president, and then the president will make a decision to either sign it into law at that moment, in other words, vote yes for it, or will veto it, in other words, say, hey, guys, I'm not comfortable with this for whatever reason. I'm sending it back to you either to get rid of it or for you guys to make some adjustments. And then there's another vote, and it needs a larger majority of Congress, I believe it's a two-thirds vote, to overrule the president's veto. So even if the president didn't like it, sends it back to Congress, Congress gets enough vote, they say, no, Mr. President, this is how it's going to be. Then the president has to sign it into law in accordance with the Constitution. Now, let's say that there are not enough votes in Congress to veto, or excuse me, to overrule the presidential veto. Then either it's disappears, or Congress will resubmit. So when people say that it doesn't make a difference because the president, you know, it's all down to the Congress, no, it's not all down to Congress. There is an interwoven role, role, president, which is the executive branch, the legislative branch, which is both houses of Congress, which includes the House of Representatives and the Senate, and our judicial branch, which is our Supreme Court. They say that the powers are equal for those religious people. It's sort of like the Trinity, (laughs) right? Because even though they have sort of three separate roads, they intersect in many different places. 
Maybe someone says something is unconstitutional. Well, guess who determines whether something is constitutional or not? It's actually not the president, and it's actually not Congress. In other words, Congress can pass something. The president has the authority to veto, but then the judicial branch can weigh in and say that something, I don't care what you guys did, is not constitutional, so you need to redo it. So that's how it works. Now, the president, again, showing you why the presidency is important, the president picks or nominates who they want to go to the Supreme Court. The people don't directly pick the Supreme Court. The president nominates those people for the Supreme Court. Once the president's made that nomination, then Congress will determine whether they like that person or not, and they'll usually hold a bunch of hearings. And if they like that person and there's enough pressure brought on by the bully, the bully pulpit, which the president has, then Congress may vote for that person or, or vote for the nomination of that person, who then the president accepts and the person gets sworn in. Now we have a new, we have a new uh, member of the Supreme Court. All the members of the president's cabinet or of the uh, secretariats, have to be approved by Congress. Again, you see how that works. It, so the president does play a vital role. And if that person that's in the presidency, let's say they want to nominate these types of Supreme Court justices, and he has enough votes to get that person through, well, then that's who we get. Well, if that president, somebody that maybe you didn't want, but because you didn't go out and vote, other people did vote, that person became the president and has his or her list of Supreme Court candidates that get sent to Congress to approve or not. So, yes, your vote for president does work. Now, let me show you another way that your vote for president works. Oh, and... Let's do a quick station ID. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. This is Rodney Smith in the air chair today. And what we're talking about on Our Own Voices Live is early voting has started in Nevada and across the country. If you would like to chime in, give us a call at 347-826-00. That is 347-826-9600. And press option 1 if you would like to chime in to the conversation. So press option one. That will let me know that you're not just listening, but you also want to um, leave a comment or ask a question. 347-826-9600. Press option one to speak. And today's show is early voting and started in Nevada and across the country. Early voting has started, but it doesn't mean you need to vote now. Early voting has started, but it does not mean you have to vote now. But if you do know who you want to vote for, then by all means, go down, as an example, to the Dr. William U. Pearson Community Center, located at 1625 West Cary Avenue, at the intersection of Cary and Martin Luther King Boulevard. Uh, there's actually free food, and I believe there's some entertainment. And you never know, there might be some guests, because you know that black people will turn out for food, for entertainment, 
and celebrity. And I believe they have all three. And you can do what you're actually supposed to be doing, vote. And if you're not ready to vote, maybe this is a top opportunity for you to go out, meet some of the candidates, because some of the candidates will be there. Just go out and talk to them, meet them, get to know them for yourself. And we do have one caller, so let me bring the caller in. Uh, good afternoon. You're on Our Own Voices Live. Our topic today is early voting has started in Nevada and across the country. Uh, welcome to our show. Do you have a question or comment for us? Yes, hello. Good morning. Can you hear me? Hey, good afternoon. Hello. This is Brian Harris, the owner of, I believe it's the Las Vegas Black Book. What's going on, Brian? Correct. Hey, correct. And now it is a international one called the Black Book also. Yeah, I just left Pearson Center, early voting, a lot of people there. It's great to see that uh, we are exercising our right to vote. Uh, listen to what you said, Rodney, uh, and, and I agree. We have to be informed voters. Uh, we need to take the time to actually investigate all of the initiatives because those five in- initiatives are very interesting initiatives. Some of them sound too good to be true, and they are too good to be true. We need to uh, look at the candidates at face value, not just what party they are. But we, I think we have to listen to all the voters, and, and more importantly, we have to vote because – if this country is going to be run by we the people, then we the people must vote. Mm. Now, you mentioned some of the questions that sound too good to be true and that they are. Uh, give us a brief uh, list of those questions and why do you okay. say that not only do they sound too good to be true, but they actually are too good to be true? Okay. Well, uh, and I'm kind of going off the top of my head, so I apologize and bear with me. Uh, I believe uh, Initiative 1 is basically uh, requiring for guns that are sold that there be some type of a background check. And I'm kind of person that I'm a little concerned when you're charging another $25 if me as a person want to sell a gun to a friend of mine and I have to go spend $25 to get a background check to sell it to them. Uh, It seems like everything we look up is being taxed or there's some type of cost associated with it. So while I think the bill may be well-meaning, I don't necessarily believe that in the long run it will be uh, implemented in a well-meaning manner. And so I guess I have a little concern. You know, now I've gotten to the point where everything we do requires the average American who has very, very little excess dollars to spend more dollars to do something. So that's the first one, and that's just my spin on it. Uh, understand the uh, initiative. Sounds good, looks good, but is it really good? Don't know the answer. Everybody needs to research that and make their own decision. Um, the second one, I believe, is the marijuana bill. And uh, I'm a person who believes that we need to decriminalize marijuana, completely believe we need to. There are too many brothers and sisters that are in jail and incarcerated for now what uh, millionaires are now about to go and make more millions and billions on. But when I look at the the, the initiative uh, slanted towards the alcohol industry so that they reap the benefits, and it's slanted to lock out. The brothers and sisters who have been incarcerated for doing the same thing so that they cannot participate. And we're being sold a bill of goods to believe that this is going to be good for the black community. So let me help me understand this. 
we're going to take which is literally a billion or a trillion dollar industry, be it in the black market, be it underground, be it illegal. The marijuana industry fueled a lot of the communities in the black community. And when they are basically taken away and giving and nothing is being given in return and bills are written to keep us out of that uh, business side of it, I don't necessarily think it's good for us. I think the bill needs to be rewritten strictly to decriminalize, but I don't think it should be written so that certain industries get all of the profits and they lock out the black community once again. So I'm a little leery of that that one. Um, number, I'm going to go to five because I know I think five is the gas tax. Am I correct? Hello? Uh, yeah, I believe that's the uh, gas okay. tax. Okay. Uh, I I, I had a little research, and here's the thing, and I, I'm going to use, while this is not in dot, you'll find the numbers are pretty much the same. The initiative for the gas tax means that, guess what? Us average folks are going to pay more money for our gasoline, no matter what. Even if gas goes down, we're going to still pay more because taxes are going to be added on. That's a flat tax. People who have more money love a flat tax because they can afford those taxes a lot easier than the poor. And when I look at how the industry, the transportation industry, is rolled out, I only know the figures from NDOT. NDOT has a set aside of roughly about 7% of their income for what they call disadvantaged businesses. These are black businesses. These are um, disabled veterans. These are uh, women's, specifically white women, and some of us black women. Well, in, in the way they rolled it out in NDOT, they had $120 million, which was roughly about 7% of the total funds that were allocated. Of that, there were $0 that, that went to black-owned businesses and only $3 million that went to uh, black women businesses, meaning that of that 7% that was allocated, less than 1% went to black businesses. This used to be called minority set-asides. But they changed the whole wing. So if I'm a white male, I can basically put my daughter in business or I can put my wife in business, and I can take that disadvantaged business and put it right back in my pocket. So the question I'm concerned about when we vote yes for nine, I mean for, for number five is we're 8% or 8.3% of the populace in, in, in here. But if we look at the amount of jobs and businesses in that industry, we don't represent and I think we should be voting no for initiatives like that until they start about inclusion, not of minorities, not of displaced people, but black folks who have been disenfranchised as they change the script on us. Um, those so three, on, I'm, Brian, I'm before definitely... you go further, Brian, before you go further, I just want to read what's actually in the book when it talks about the uh, Clark County ballot question number five, and it's called Fuel Revenue indexing fuel revenue mm -hmm. indexing is question number five and the question reads shall clark county continue continue indexing fuel taxes to the rate of inflation through december 31st 2026 the proceeds of which will be used solely for the purpose of improving public safety for roadway users and reducing traffic congestion by constructing and maintaining streets and highways in Clark County, and it's a yes or no vote. And you're saying that you don't think, you don't support this particular initiative 
because of some problems with set-asides for minorities and specifically African Americans? Well, let me put it this way. If we're 8.3% of the populace, but less than 1% of us are employed in a uh, – are employed in that industry, and almost none of our businesses are employed in there, tax money is coming from us to fund these. So I think until they start getting serious about inclusion, why should we be voting for more taxes at the pump? And, and I'm like, we need to basically not just because somebody says it sounds good and it looks good and it's great for us, it's not necessarily great for us. Until they really sit down at the table and talk to us about inclusion on the business side, and not just workers, but also ownership, where they are basically going to going to end the good old boy system where 99% of all the dollars flow away from the black community then we shouldn't just give it a rubber stamp and say yes. That's what I'm saying. We should say okay. no because we don't like the allocation. We don't like the business side. So Does that make sense? In, in essence, it, yeah, in essence, you're not against it in general, but if they go and make some improvements to it, you could see and part of those improvements <laughs> would be business set-asides for disadvantaged businesses and specifically African-American businesses. Exactly, not disadvantaged, but specifically African-American, because when they create a tag called disadvantaged, then we become the disadvantaged of the disadvantaged. So, gotcha. again, that's, that's, my, just, that's my take on it. Now, uh, I, I'm still kind of researching the, the, uh, the one dealing with uh, energy, because, you know, again, both sides lie. So one side is saying, well, if you support this and you don't have seller, cellular, you're subsidizing the cellular company, the, the solar companies, and you're going to pay more if you're a basic electrical person. I have another person right. says, you know, and, Clean Air Act, hey, Brian, we need, we need – Brian, yeah. let me tell the people what um, that, that state ballot, that state uh, question number three, and what that's talking about is amendment to the Nevada Constitution – and it says, shall Article One of the Nevada Constitution be amended to require the legislature to provide by law for the establishment of an open, competitive retail electric energy market that prohibits the granting of monopolies and exclusive franchises for the generation of electricity. And in Nevada, we, for those who may not know, we have one energy company, and that's Envy Energy. And some people say it's a monopoly, and they have a large control of how much revenue that they'll make. As an example, when the solar industry came, part of the deal for the solar industry was that Envy Energy is in charge of solar power in Nevada. Now, it, they call it renewable energy, but Envy Energy in business to make money, but yet they're the ones who have a lot of control over who and how folks can get uh, solar power. So as an example, it is difficult for citizens, regular citizens, to get solar power on their homes right now. But if you are a corporation like MGM or the proposed Faraday with a billion-dollar manufacturing plant, they can opt out of the grid themselves 
and have solar power, but the everyday citizen does not have at this moment, at this time, the opportunity to opt out of that. And one of the things that Envy Energy had put into place was that to offset their loss of people opting out of the grid, that they would be able to raise their rates. So in other words, they would be guaranteed a certain profit margin. So those people who remained on the grid or in the energy customers would actually wind up paying more as more citizens opted out and decided to get solar energy. Now, I love that business model. But what that's saying is the government is going to ensure that the citizens pay my private business enough money for me to make the profit that I deem fit. Now, that's some mob stuff right there. But go ahead, Brian. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. You, 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 and, and so my question, and I, and I asked you the question, I don't know the answer on that one yet, and that's why I'm not voting today. I'm waiting until tomorrow and trying to understand a little bit more. And, and I thank you, Rodney, because you actually helped me a little bit today. Uh, so that's uh, another so, one. And Break that down. How did, just, I, how did I help you? Just by breaking it down a little bit more um, in, in more of a realistic versus what you hear on the radio, and, and that's what we have to learn to do is talk to each other about these because you may know a little bit more about this initiative, which you obviously do than I do. I may know a little bit about the other initiative versus, versus you do. We have to talk it out, and then everybody has to make a decision as an informed vote. You know, uh, so I thank you for giving me that information because you're helping me as I make my decision on what's really the best uh, uh, solution for us. Um, and, and, gotcha. and the fourth question, as I read it, it's about medical. And it's what, it sounds like it's like to tax or not to tax on medical right. equipment. And, and yep. again, this another one that I can say really and truly, I don't know the answer, but it seems – that our medical industry is already making billions and billions and billions of dollars, and this just seems to be another grab to give them more billions and billions and billions of dollars. Just my thought. You know, um, don't know enough about that to say whether it's good or bad, and that's why we must become more informed voters so that we can make decisions and not just say, oh, either I'm not going to vote or I just guess. Now, Brian, actually, you just said something that's very important. And, and caller, I, I see you out there, and I'll bring you on shortly. Um, even though early voting has started today, and I do, for those people who know who they're going to vote for and you, you early vote, then, you know, do, do what you need to do. But if you're not sure about the candidates, you're not sure about these questions, you need more information, the Pearson Community Center, the Dr. William U. Pearson Community Center, located at 1625 West Cary Avenue, right at the intersection of Cary and Martin Luther King Boulevard. You know you're there because you'll see the statue of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Um, go down and meet with the candidates and talk to them. Bring a notepad, bring a recorder, a video camera, whatever you need to do to get the information that you need to get and ask them these questions. Ask if you see candidates there, talk to the candidates. If you have, if you need information about these questions, then ask them about the questions. 
because if they're running for the legislature or they're running for the county commission, these things are what they will have purview over, and they should know the answer. As a matter of fact, if they don't have information for you, maybe that can also guide your vote because this is something that they will have purview over. Um, So if you know who you're going to vote for, if you know the questions, early voting has started today. But that does not mean you have to vote today. A lot of the candidates are in a single location. It's a great opportunity to go down and meet them. Yeah. All right, hey, Rodney. Rodney, you, yeah, you said some key things too, uh, and, and I want to elaborate. While who the president is is very important, as you said earlier, but for the average Joe, who the judges are. If you don't know the policies of the judges that you are voting for, then don't be upset with the decision-making that they make when it depends on you, your child, your community, etc. So we need to be educated on who the judges are so that we vote intelligently. We need to be uh, educated on who the school board is because they dictate whether the funds are allocated there. And far too many times we are so focused on the presidency that some of the key decision-makers are just basically given a pass, and then we're upset on their decision-making processes. Hello? (laughs) Hello? Hello, hello? Hello? I think I lost you. Yep, I'm here. No, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Somehow I think I lost you, but did you hear what I said? Well, I I, I heard most of what you said, uh, and I think uh, what we have to do is recognize that the power is in the hands of the people. I know that our local officials, our local officers, city council, school board trustee, uh, as I said earlier, county commission, and then from the state offices, our state legislature. Those are things that we normally say impact us day to day. And the presidency is a much broader thing. And though I don't disagree with that in principle, I will say this. Remember that, yes, we do have an electoral college, but those electors are made up of other citizens that you voted into an office. And when they go to make their decision, they take into consideration how the body, the general population in their state, and in the country totally, but primarily in their state that they represent, they take that into consideration to guide them on what decision they should make. And historically, it's only been a few occasions where the electors have voted differently than the general population. So your vote for the president does not directly elect the president. That's true. It does provide a very important guide to the people who are tasked with directly electing the president. So I I want people to keep that in mind. I also want people to keep in mind this about the presidency. The presidency has what people call a bully pulpit. 
And the bully pulpit means he can get on TV. He has the, you know, the seal of the United States of America. He has Air Force One. And when it flies in, believe me, people notice. And it does impact how people feel, how people think. You know, I've been around presidents that I didn't particularly like. But I tell you what, when you're around them, all of a sudden you get a sense of gravitas that maybe you don't get from 3,000 miles away when you're in California and Nevada and they're back in Washington, D.C. So the president often sets the tone. And for those of you who may not understand the impact of a president setting the tone, I often tell people, remember uh, President Kennedy? Up until President Kennedy became president, most men wore hats. Well, because he had a head full of hair, apparently like showing his hair, he didn't wear hats. Almost put the men hat business out of business because people tend to follow the leadership. His wife became a fashion trendsetter because she was the first lady in the White House, and it impacted how women dress even up to this day. Michelle Obama, the first current first lady, uh, shopped at J. Crew. Well, guess what? J. Crew had to do a lot more ordering. And I'm talking about fashion, but it's other things too. Uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, some people say that Bill Clinton, his bully pulpit and his tough on crime stance led to the three, the three strikes you're out, uh, the 25 to 1 in, uh, rate of uh, incarceration for crack versus cocaine, which, of course, many people believe are targeted towards the African-American community. So the president does carry weight. So don't, and if you're that person riding down the street that gets pulled over and gets busted for possession of this or that or, or there's more policing for this particular thing because the president says we need to be tough on crime, that can affect your day-to-day life. Oftentimes the president is ahead of his respective party, and how the president goes is how the party goes, and how the party goes is how your elected officials go. That's how them in America works. So the presidency is important. But I do understand when people say, well, it doesn't affect me directly. Well, I believe there is an effect and that the entire uh, ballot, the entire ticket is, I believe, equally important. But, Brian, I do understand uh, in, in principle what you're saying about the impact of local uh, electeds versus the presidency. Okay, thank you. And, and as I said, I agree with you. I'm just saying that we need to be informed on those because they will be policymakers at the local level. And if you don't know who's running for board of vacation, who's running for your justice system, and you're not happy with the outcome, it might be your fault because you didn't investigate and vote for the right people. And there's one branch that you, you touched on. And, Andrew, I'm going to bring you in shortly. There's one branch that you talked on that I think gets underrepresented. And I don't know if people understand that your district attorney, the DA, and we've heard a lot about DAs, especially associated with police over the last roughly year and a half, two years. The district attorney is also a person that is elected by the people. And the district attorney determines what cases will and will not go to the judges. Correct. So this is a critical office that does have an immediate and direct impact on us at the local level. So 
officers serious because they will impact us one way or the other. You know, Brian, I don't know if you can if you can stay on, but I have another caller that I need to bring on. If you can stay on, that's great. Or if not, if you have something that you want to close with, that's good too. No, I ain't going. No problem. Okay. I got to bring uh, Andrew in on the call. Uh, Andrew hails from South Africa, so we got an international caller. And I'm very interested, Andrew, in how you see the U.S. election in general and specifically this year uh, because you're someone from outside looking in. Give us give us some perspective. Oh, okay. Um, well, start with um, – I, I wasn't really expecting to get that question, but um, uh, I would say that First of all, there was a Princeton study. Uh, I mean, Princeton's a very prestigious university, and they don't mess around when it comes to fact. So, I mean, from what I can tell, they wouldn't be where they are in terms of their prestige if they if they were lying about things. So, you know, th- there was a study that came out from uh, some very, very good researchers there that said that the United States is absolutely an oligarchy. In other words your vote doesn't really matter at all. It doesn't matter. It's all a show. Um, The lobbying groups and the electoral college are bought and paid. It's basically like the electoral college and the whole process is bought and paid for, you know, long before any voting actually happens. And then the system is gradually controlled until all of the rigged candidates, generally all the candidates are rigged. And even if someone gets in that had good intentions in the first place, they get given the talk. Uh, Robert Steele, who is a former CIA case officer and, and very knowledgeable uh, person, He's one, he was one of the number one reviewers on Amazon. I think he might still be the number one reviewer on Amazon uh, for the most books, something like that. He's a very knowledgeable guy. He said uh, Jimmy Carter, for example, cried his eyes out when he got to the White House and they gave him the talk because everybody gets the talk. They come to you, the uh, various powerful entities – Various powerful entities in government come to you and say, listen, we just want to remind you. I mean, it goes something like this. We want to just remind you that if you step out of line on specific issues that we need to push through, you know, you're going to, you're going to, what happened to Kennedy, that's going to happen to you. Uh, so okay. basically, okay. yeah, basically, you know, I mean, uh, th- that's as I remember it. You can go and try and find the video on YouTube of Robert Steele explaining this. But um, okay. You know, hey, uh, Andrew. Before you, I know you got a, I know you got a comment that you want to bring in, but I need to bring in my co-host, and then we'll go back to the rest okay. of your your comment. Uh, everybody, welcome my co-host. This is Angela Thomas to Our Own Voices Live, and our topic today is early voting has started. Uh, welcome, Angela. Hey, welcome everybody. Thank you for calling in. I mean, we got South Africa on the line. You can catch up with me any old time. Let's hear with the caller. Let's let the caller finish um, his dialogue. Okay, Andrew. Um, there you have it. The lady has spoken, and you know us men listen to the lady. So go ahead. Well, um, you know, it, it makes even even if that wasn't true. I mean, even if Robert Steele was, you know, I mean, I mean, Robert Steele's a credible source, right? Uh, even if that wasn't true, if that was just fake, right? Then. You know, still the Princeton study that 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 can't be false. I mean, you know, you go and look at the research behind 
all of the different corporations. And something like 47 corporations own every major company in the world. So, you know, it's it's become blatantly obvious that we live in an oligarchy uh, system. Um, you know, if you want to go back and look at Anthony Sutton's book, which was Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, one of those so books Andrew, that he wrote. So, you said um, that we live in, you said we, that's yeah. plural. So you yeah. were talk, you're talking yeah, about absolutely. America, but are you saying that the entire world yeah. lives in this system, yeah. or were you specifically talking pretty, pretty about much. America? No, pretty much we live in a, in a controlled system. It's just that the control is so clever. The, the, the psychological control is so intelligent that people don't realize. Like, for example, some places have got more control than others. So if you look at Australia, it's more of a police state than, say, oh, Iceland, right? But, but at the same time, um, certain areas don't need that level of control. So, for example, you've got different formats for different regions. Um, you know, you have in some places you can have just one dictator that kind of goes into an area and terrorizes everyone every now and then, and that has the desired results of cheap labor. And in other areas, you need a much more sophisticated form of control where, you know, people are split up into dynamic groups, such as in the United States, and everyone's controlled on different levels because there's a lot of industry and production that goes on in the United States. Whereas just getting people to dig things out of the ground, in the case of diamond fields in Africa, you only need cheap labor. So all you do is you go and terrorize people every now and then, make sure they don't build anything, just knock it down. And, um, you know, then you've got your cheap labor. You know, same thing goes for somewhere like Bangladesh. You know, there's all sorts of corruption. So these things sort of naturally create patterns that take care of themselves. And the overlay for okay. that is, um, you know, there's various control mechanisms. But, but coming so back Andrew, to, you know, when I say we, I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Andrew, um, I, you, you mentioned that it's an, a worldwide oligarch, oligarchs that are controlling Well, yeah, everything. I mean, look, I mean, like, the United States is controlled by an oligarchy, but really – um, I mean, if you look at, if you come back to Anthony Sutton, right? If you go and see now, what no, was the whole I, I, last I sort of like? I get your point. I actually get your point. What I want to do is Could I want to bring the, uh, yeah. I want to bring the other two folks okay. in and see what they about. Uh, Andrew just said that the country, not only the United States of America, is tr- controlled by oligarchs, but really the entire world is a, a huge oligarchy, and. I, I want to know. I want to get some feedback. What do you all think, uh, ladies first? Uh, Angela, what do you think about uh, Andrew's assertion that we are under a worldwide oligarchy? Well, I can't much argue the point. Uh, the, as he said, he he pointed to a lot of um, evidence that would lead you in that direction. So. I'm just an interesting call, interesting perspective okay. of from a citizen out, you know, in another country, viewing viewing ours and just talking about economics or the, well polit- politics from a global perspective. Interesting perspective. Okay, and Brian. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's, an that's an interesting statement, and, uh, you know, I think we are headed that way. I don't know if we're completely there, and the question is because we stop it, because it is true. I believe that right now both parties are really one and the same, and they play us against each other, and there is a ruling class. There's that 4%. 
they realize that set pretty much dictate a lot of things that go on. And you look at the examples of health care. Health care is a mess because of greed. And, and the U.S. Is, is a mess because of greed. And the folks who are running this are running it off of greed, and they pretty much do dictate uh, what's done, no matter who's in office. Uh, and so on one hand, I, I, I believe we're headed that way. I don't know if we're quite 100% there, but I do believe we are headed that way. So for people who may not know what an oligarchy is, just give you a brief overview. Basically, it's when a small group of people have control of a country, organization, or institution. Uh, oftentimes, this can be military people, but it doesn't have to be. It can be others with different titles uh, as well. So that's one definition of oligarchy. And then oligarchs are the people who would be that small uh, group of people who are running things. Now, there's another group of people who often associate America, and like Andrew, they'll, they support the oligarchy theory, but they'll say that we're a plutocracy. Now, plutocracy is a little different from an oligarchy, but a plutocracy actually is similar to an oligarchy in that you have the rich who become the powerful, and they use their power, and influence to somewhat establish an oligarchy. So two slightly different but similar uh, systems that many say that America and the world are a part of. Um, Now, even that being said, when America was first constituted, in the true sense of the word constituted, Initially, the only people who could vote were rich people and large landowners. Now, I didn't say landowners. I said large landowners because with land, that equated to wealth. So it still came down to rich people and only male, only men. So basically you had rich men who determined the course of this country when it was first established. Now, you, even though we were established, established as this republic with this democratic process, to a certain extent, using the definitions of oligarchy and plutocracy with oligarchs and plutocrats running it, you, we can almost say that it, is, it was inherent in the U.S. system of government that we started out as an oligarchy with plutocrats running it. And uh, so what Andrew is saying may not be antithetical to our republic with its democratic form of government, even though the, the amendments to the Constitution obviously have changed it so that it's not just rich white men or men of European descent in America that can vote. Now everyone uh, over the eight, uh, 18 and over can vote. But what it seems like we're saying is that your vote doesn't count because you have these people who are controlling it. Now, that is a different issue. And before we go on, let me give a, a brief uh, station ID. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday, usually at 12.30 p.m. on the East Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those out west. 
I'm not sure what time that is in South Africa, but we try to bring to you information and education so that you can be not only a more informed voter, a more informed citizen, whether of this country or the entire world. Our goal here is to look for areas that we have in common and then coalesce around those areas to achieve then a common goal. Well, and we have uh, my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas, on. We also have uh, a calling guest, Mr. Brian Harris from the Las Vegas uh, Black Book. And we also have Andrew hailing from South Africa, who's giving us the outsider's view of this election cycle and our government. Andrew, so how did I sum up oligarchy and plutocracy and the that the American form of government is actually inherently based off of that structure? Well, you know, if we can look at whether it's oligarchy or plutocracy, uh, you know, wealthy people or, you know, something more than that, but you know, whatever we call it, basically, if you trace back, it's basically just power. Um, yep. And and in terms of the form of government, I mean, you know, it, it, the very sort of occulted, hidden, hidden mechanisms of control. I mean, a lot of people, you might say to them, do you know what the electoral college is? And they'll say to you, well, well, no, not really. And, you know, then then if you if you say to them, do you know how the electoral college can be manipulated? They'll say, look, first of all, I don't know what the electoral college is. As for manipulation, I haven't done any research into that. Uh, so it's, you know, on the, for the average person, and that's uh, shocking, but it shows it's, it's shocking for somebody that's on the ground level, but, mm-hmm. but for somebody that understands the, um, the mechanisms of control in history, they'll say, oh, no, yeah, that's working just fine. Um <laughs> <laughs> for the purpose of which it was invented, you know, or, or has been manipulated. Um, so, so, Andrew, uh, it, it, Andrew, can you hold that thought again? Because when we talk about the Electoral College and we talk about people in positions of power, yes, the reason why people are elected or in offices is that they have power and they wield power. Uh, some people say it's an illusion yeah. that the people are instrumental yeah. and in establishing who those people will be. But if we look at the position and the perspective that you did of power, just power, somebody has to be in charge. And when and what comes with being in charge is power. I don't think anyone will refute that. It is about power. Now, where discussion often takes a fork in the road is how do we determine who is in power? Now, some people say that, oh, well, we elect the people who rule over us. And really, that's what it is to a certain extent, is ruling over us. And they say that the difference in the American system is that the American people determine who will rule over them and tell them how to rule. And if they don't rule accordingly, then the American system allows those people to be removed from office. And they'll say the difference in other places in the world is there are dictatorships, there's there's kingships and queenships and all of these other systems mm-hmm. where people in power for life. There is a military yeah. uh, junta or wh- whatever the title is, emperor, 
someplace else that may be there for life and then passes it down to the family and there's no opportunity for rule outside of it. So we have all of those different things. It ultimately comes down to power and how that yeah. those people who are in positions of power get there. Now, some people say that it doesn't make any difference what the minions, the masses, the voters, it makes no difference mm-hmm. what they say because we live in the plutocracy or oligarchy or which whatever title you use, and that these people are there and they're going to do their bidding. Now, that is one way to look at it. Another way to look at it could be everything that we just said, but yes, we do actually have the power. Now, whether we exercise that power or not, that's a different thing. Whether we ensure that our schools educate our children or not, that is also a different thing. In other countries, when there's a change of power, oftentimes it comes at the power of a bullet or a guillotine if you go back in medieval times. In America, we say we have a transition of power peacefully. doesn't require a bullet, and it comes with the people's consent of the vote. And that is where many people say, but your vote really doesn't count. I tend to differ and say that actually, yes, your vote does count. And if you believe that your vote doesn't count, and you don't do the research, as Brian Harris said earlier, then we do have a small group of people who control absolutely. Uh, and anybody can, can – um, we got to spend just a couple more minutes on this, and then we have to move on. Anybody can chime in on that. Well, I would slightly disagree with you because if you look at, if you look at the way that things are actually set up, uh, let's say, for example, the soft power and hard power. In, in the United States, we're using what's called soft power. Okay, when I say we, I mean um, it's just it's how things are. We, the human race, okay, there's a hierarchy, and and the world is kind of either allowing or if you're someone that's in the know, it's being implemented upon other people. Um, so soft power, you know, you've got massive multiple, multiple different psychological control mechanisms, et cetera, et cetera. But the point at which everyone decides to try and walk away, then it goes hard power. That's why you're seeing all of the weapons and things. But even those weapons are very soft by comparison to something like scalar weaponry. So, you know, there's weapons that can just sort of, you know, fry everybody or, you know, kill people in millions automatically without leaving much Nuclear trace. Nuclear weapons et cetera, would be et cetera, et cetera. an example of that. Well, beyond... Beyond nuclear weapons, frequency weapons, um, you know, the kind of thing that Nikola Tesla was originally working on that got commandeered, that got taken from Tesla. Uh, you know, there, there's other things that you can use to kill millions of people right. without even having I'll to have a nuclear weapon. So the thing nuclear is that, weapons because many people aren't aware of some of the other things that you mentioned. So we want to keep it yeah. where people can understand that. Sure. Unfortunately, our education sure. system is not like the education system in Europe and other places in the world, including South Africa. Oh, believe me, uh, the most, most of the education systems around the world are, are dumbed down on purpose. Uh, so you're not alone. <laughs> but, um, but, but the thing is that um, uh, you see that, that hard power gets brought out when people become too unruly. So in the meantime, they're using soft power. So I think you know, it's like even if you vote, as I mentioned, you know, the entire Congress is controlled through the monetary system. And if anybody steps out, out, out of line far enough, then the monetary system's got enough minions to knock that person mm-hmm. off or make life extremely unpleasant for them until they step back into line. 
So even if you manage to get mm. someone into office that really has good intentions, they're still not going to be able to change the core issues. For example, they won't be able to abolish the Federal Andrew, Reserve. Hold on. Coming hold on. Because you just hit on a bunch of things, and we only got about 30 more seconds to, to deal with this. But when you say that, you know, you talk about the money, how important the money is, and how someone uh, even wanted to get into office to do something different first, they have to get into office, which requires a lot of money. And then once they're in office, of course, they have to get the other players to play nice with them. So those are, that's all very true. Those are powerful, powerful statements. And I wanted to get the uh, Angela and or Brian to chime in on that. Yeah, this is Brian. And, and it's it's interesting that he should make that statement. And, and, and I agree because, and I'm going to throw this out as a rumor, but while we were supposedly going in and took Gaddafi out because of terrorism, my understanding is that a lot of that was back to the fact that there was an attempt to change the monetary system back to gold and oil. And that may have been one of the real reasons for the uh, the, the, the attempt to remove him. I, I do believe that our system is designed that anyone that uh, threatens that system uh, yeah. will be taken care of. Is that is, Saddam, Saddam else did the same thing? Saddam did the same thing. He started trading in euros instead of the petrodollar, and that's one of the main reasons why they went in to take him out. They installed him in the first place. CIA put him into power, but when he wouldn't play ball because he wanted to try and break away from the control mechanism, then when he started trading in euros, then uh, too much too much was going towards Europe, and the petrodollar was supposed to be the number one oil trading currency, and that's why they had to attack. So, so gentlemen and ladies, let's say that everything Andrew and Brian just asserted is true. Let's just say that. Where I, I have the power to say that I am the chief oligarch, and that's what's happening, right? Then, but, and then this is how I want to close the segment out. Two questions, or two parts to one. Is there anything we can do about it? And what is that thing, if there is a thing? And, Brian, I want to start with you, and then we'll, unless, if Angela wants to jump in, and then Andrew, close this section out. So the, question, the two-part question is, if that is true, is there anything that we can do about it? This is the people. And what is that thing? Brian? Well, I believe the people can make a change, but they've got to change their spending habits. They've got to change where we, how we do business. Right now, it seems like multi-corporations, conglomerates, kind of dictate the lives of everybody in the world. And we continue to, uh, instead of creating a true capitalist society that requires and demands that you break up monopolies and they are uh, so that you have competition so they can't have the type of control they have today. We're going to have to look at that. We've got to break up a whole lot of stuff. Our insurance companies, the greed, the fact that, um, that, that our CEOs believe they have to make $10 million a year so that they can uh, <laughs> hey, make $10 million and if they leave, leave with $85 million and then tell us there's no money for health care, there's no money – uh, to increase the salaries to our folks. We've got to change everything from Wall Street 
from uh, the government. It's got to be massive changes, and it may even require a real third party that comes in and forces these changes. So, yes, it can happen, but I believe we need a substantial third party, and we need to move away from Democrats and Republicans, and we need to identify as independents and force them to talk about our issues and only vote that way. Okay. And Angela, did you want to jump in on this one? Well, I thought both gentlemen, thank you for calling first and foremost, I thought both of you guys brought up excellent, excellent um, points of view. Uh, Do I think that the question is what should people, the people do? Is there anything that can be done, and what is that thing? All power to the people. There is always something that uh, can be changed. Uh, I do think that we we need to start to look at our economic position in in the from a global perspective. Pay attention to what happens at the G summit. Pay attention to those various meetings. It, it, the G summit is just the one that came to my mind right now, but there are several global economic. Uh, world power meetings that happen throughout the year where uh, our elected um, president and other heads of state meet with um, the world economists. And we we need to understand, A, our political system more, and B, how our economy really works. I, I agree with our South African caller that most don't have a basic understanding of how our government works and how our um, economy works. And we should understand things like gross domestic product and, you know, the various things that um, make up our economy. Okay. All right. Well, Andrew, uh, from South Africa, you called in to our show as we discussed the early voting starting here in Nevada, and we're located in Las Vegas, and you brought some interesting concepts to the discussion about whether our vote truly counts and who is running not only this country, but as you suggested, the world. Uh, Close us out with your final statement on the topic. Okay, thanks. Um, I I think that people should check out a couple of videos. There's a very good YouTube channel called The School of Life, and there's one video on there called Richland, which perfectly describes how the United States is run. And then there's another concept called What Would the the Perfect Nation Look Like? And that would give a kind of a clue as to how we should be perhaps moving as as a global, uh, you know, group of human beings. Um, And then, you know, in terms of voting, you know, people should have the informed vote as opposed to the popular vote based on emotion. And, and you know, it should be based on group optimization and, and a policy by elders in communities. And time dictates that wise people will generally be elders. So, um, you know, having one leader for a huge landmass doesn't really make logical sense for optimization. Firstly, you'd have to somewhat decentralize that. And the other thing is to educate military uh, people and, and populations to have a new level of consciousness regarding human development. Everyone would have to have a deep knowledge of psychology for self-knowledge as well as sociology and environmental optimization. Uh, the, the only way for people to 
elect the optimal choice is to also decentralize the economic system, uh, go back to local banks backed by real optimized, well-managed assets to ensure lobbying by external interests does not dictate your local leadership and that leadership in other regions does not damage your local area. So for okay. each month of the uh, year, really, uh, Andrew, give okay. me the name. Give us the name of those uh, of those uh, videos that you suggested. One I believe was Richland, sure. uh, how to make okay. a country rich, and what you was know, the other one? Uh, the other one would be what would be the uh, the, the sort of perfect nation. Um, but you can re- you can search it on the School of Life YouTube channel. Um, but it's very just short videos that kind of speak to these concepts. So it's sort of a, in a nutshell. Okay, I've uh, I've got them. And uh, we will uh, pass that on. I'll take a look at it myself and see if I can get a feel for it. Andrew, thank you so much for calling in from South okay. Africa and uh, with our topic today. I hope that you'll listen in uh, you again. Thank you very much. Chime in anytime. Thank you, Andrew. Wow. Now, that was, uh, that was an interesting call. Uh, You're welcome. Now, of course, <laughs> you. Thanks. Now, of course, it brings us back to the system of government that we have and that's in the world. Probably isn't going to change today, and we have what we have now. So, what do we do in the meantime until we can get to those sort of big world changes that Andrew was talking about, Brian? I know that you're one who you uh, you almost do it as a religion that you discuss uh, enterprise and business and specifically black business and how black people need to take charge of their own destiny. Early voting has started today in Nevada. Until we can change the overall system, if that is even possible, as Andrew intimated, where do we go from here? What do we do? Well, I mean, and that's very good. What we have to do is we have to start forcing the politicians to really talk about our issues. It's Everything is so staged. I mean, both the Republican Party and the Democratic, they're given planks. They're told to only talk about these planks. They're told to stay in their lanes. They're not told to be themselves. Uh, we've got to force these folks to get off of these planks and tell us what they think, not what their party thinks, because that is the big problem we have. They're, they're, they're so scripted when they come. They don't come to talk to us. They come to talk at us, and, and, and it's disheartening that they actually run when you ask them a hard question anymore. So one of the things we have to do is be informed voters. We have to have an agenda. Uh, especially in, 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 like you say, I focus on on black people because we we have the highest unemployment, we have the highest incarceration, we have the lowest wealth, uh, we have ninety uh, percent loyalty to the Democratic Party. Uh, I look at some of the planks that they have, and one of them that concerns me is the um, they think that for black folks saying that oh we're going to increase minimum wage, that's what we're giving you. And I look at that from a person who says, wait a minute, from a perspective, African-American businesses are barely getting by. So when, the, uh, when they increase the minimum wage, how many of our black businesses will then teeter over to non-existence? 
we have 50% unemployment in uh, black youth. So if the minimum wage goes up, will that number go up, down or up? I guarantee you it's going to go up, uh, including not just our youth but everyone else because we're last hired, first fired. So a lot of things that we are being sold as a bill of goods is not necessarily that because my whole thing is, plus, I'm not minimum. We need to create jobs that are not minimum wage jobs. Raising minimum wage just means increasing inflation. But yet we're told by the Democratic Party that this is going to be good for you. And we don't challenge on or maybe it's not. Talk to me about another solution that means let's get into the technical jobs. Let's get so that our kids are writing scripts instead of bringing people from the other countries to write code. Let's talk about bringing manufacturing jobs in. Uh, let's talk about the CEOs and how we, why they're making $10 million a year. It's interesting. In Japan, the CEO of Toyota makes about a million dollars. Yet the uh, the the uh, CEO of Siena, the hospitals here make oh, makes ten million dollars a year. Yet our healthcare is going through the roof, not because of the affordable healthcare. It's going through because of greed. So I guess I go into a lot of them and say we have to basically force these politicians to talk about factual stuff. Instead of Benghazi, instead of emails, instead of grab them in the you-know-what. And as long as we let them get away with distracting us from the real things that are affecting our daily lives, we'll never force them to be accountable. Okay. Okay. Well, we got about three more minutes left in the show. And our topic today was early voting has started in Nevada and across the country. And Brian had said some stuff that I thought was important. If you're not ready to vote, then just because early voting started today does not mean you have to go and vote. But it does give you an opportunity because a large number of elected officials are in one location today at the Dr. William U. Pearson uh, Community Center in North Las Vegas, 1625 West Cary Avenue at the corner of Cary and Martin Luther King Boulevard, that if you don't know you're not sure, go down and meet and talk to some of these people. And as Brian says, ask them the direct questions, what some people may say are the hard questions. Get the information. There are five questions on our ballot this year. Research those initiatives. How will it impact you? Uh, For those of you who don't know, President Obama is coming to Las Vegas tomorrow. Cheyenne and High School. He will, that's right. He will be at Cheyenne and High School. Now, he's not going to be the president in not too many more months. And this might be one of the last opportunities uh, to, to see him and meet and greet. But let's be honest, he's coming here to turn out the vote and to turn out the vote for Democrats. That's why he's coming. And I believe people should come out and vote. But what are you going to do to help change your predicament and help change the plight of your people, your city, and ultimately this country? What are you going to do? Any suggestions? I know, Brian, you said know know your issues, uh, vote, vote person, not party. And I say vote issue, not 
person, and if you don't have an agenda, then you don't have much. Uh, and one, uh, oh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, one of the things I, again, I'm asking people to, and this is a plug, but to download the Black Book and start to spend your money in the local Black businesses. It is important that we take back our economy. It is important that we create wealth through business ownership. We can't all be basketball stars. We can't all be rappers. We have to be business owners. So I encourage people to utilize that as a tool to find, locate, and support businesses in the black community. Okay. Uh, Las Vegas Black Book, download it and uh, find a business that you can shop in. Angela, uh, closing comments? I just would like to suggest that we stay engaged. This was a this was a very interesting um election cycle for one main reason for me. I saw more people awake. Uh we we started more bank accounts in black businesses in the last um, two quarters than ever. Uh, We have begun an awakening, and I just, you know, whatever your decision is uh, in the booth, maintain your your privacy on what you're you're doing in the booth, but also whoever you vote for, Democrat or Republican, pay attention to what they're actually doing. Are they doing the work that you sent them in there to do? And if not, be prepared to remove them next cycle. Uh, I, I just would like to see folks remain this turned up. As turned up as we are this election cycle, we should remain this vigilant for the next four years for this this incoming president and for the next six years for uh, the Senate that 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 we're electing, uh, we have to stay, you know, keep our foot on the pedal and keep moving forward. That's a, that's exactly you know what I would like to see happen here. Well, so everyone, thank you to Andrew for calling in from South Africa with his input. Big shout out to Brian Harris with the Las Vegas Black Book. Uh, shop in black businesses, empower yourselves, employ yourselves. Uh, to my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas, she said, keep the turn up, turn up. Don't take your foot off the pedal and keep moving forward. I suggest to everyone, know the issues. Generate the issues. Establish an agenda. Rally behind your agenda and get like-minded people in support of that agenda. Select a politician to carry that agenda, volunteer for that politician, uh, donate money to that politician, go out and phone bank, and when that politician is elected or not, still stay and support that politician. If they're elected, they're going to need your help. If they didn't make it this time, then maybe they can learn and be a little bit better and prepared for next time, but just don't let them go. But have that agenda that is representative of you. And when you go vote, do not just give your vote away because, remember, 
when you give something to someone, all they owe you best and through courtesy is a thank you. Give them an agenda. Let that be what you're trading, what that vote that they want for whatever that thing is that you need, and let that guide you, whether it is an independent, a Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Tea Party, it doesn't make a difference. What, who is it out there that supports your agenda? And if there's no one out there, then find someone and then elevate them to that position and then stick with them because that is the people's power. Well, everyone, you've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. Today's topic was early voting has started in Nevada. We're here in Las Vegas and across the country. Uh, the theme has been know the issue, know the candidate, and if you're ready to vote, then go cast your vote. But if you're not sure yet, if you need a little bit more time, then take that time to go meet the candidate, go ask the question about the question, and then tell them what it is that you want so you can hold them accountable. And for those who say that the presidency doesn't count, ask all those brothers and sisters in jail now about whether the presidency counts. And I think they might differ with you. Ask those family members. They may differ with you. Ask those people who are suffering because of the wars our country has been in that are led by our president, our commander-in-chief. They may differ with you. They may have more impact than what you may think. Join us on Our Own Voices Live on Facebook, Our Own Voices on Twitter. Really, it's Our Own Voices on everything. Andrew gave us a couple of videos to go check out. So by all means, knowledge is power, whether you agree or not. Take a moment to check out those videos in YouTube. One was called How to Make a Country Rich, I believe, and it was Rich Land. And the uh, other was How to Make a Perfect Country or the Perfect Country, all on YouTube. Go there and, and leave us some uh, comments on Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and our own voices on Twitter, what you thought of our topic today and what have you thought of those videos, and give us some suggestions for upcoming shows. You can listen to Brian Harris on local station 88.1 call letters of KCEP on Monday mornings at 10, uh, Brian, that's 1030, correct? Correct. At 1030, correct. once again, that's KCEP 88.1. Uh, that's Las Vegas, and he brings folks on to talk about the issues regardless of party. So give that brother a listen. Of course, always tune in to Lee Vaughn, a part of the Speak Up Network, who does his show on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock East Coast time, and that's called Radio to Establish Life or Real Radio. And, of course, we have Brother Thomas Berry, who has a slightly more sharper edge his show and it is his show and he talks about all things and many things are based in politics and you can tune into his show go to Rant Radio and you can find out more information about his show and when he'll be on and he also goes by the handle Unintended Citizen. Well thank you all for joining us today. Thank all of our listeners out there for listening. We will be back next week 12.30pm if it's Saturday it'll be our own voices live and that's 3.30pm for those of you on the East Coast. Angela? Yes. Thanks for, I know you had some things going on. Thanks Gliding for into us. the home Brian, plate here. <laughs> I was glad to and do uh, it. Glad to be here. Everybody have an excellent, excellent, excellent week. 
uh, remember, early voting has started, but if you're not done doing your research, it's best to do your research, know your issues, and know who you're voting into uh, this new term. So uh, make it a great week. Make wise decisions, and we will see you next Saturday, 1230 on the West Coast, 330 out east. See you soon. Bye-bye.